ein paar Bänke ab, geht mir kein Sachlid, die Druck. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold, and I have a new knee. I have a new knee. It was so funny because uh, last time I got my, I know I told you this, but last time, 11 years ago when I got my other knee done, they had female knees and male knees, and now they, they've they changed the name to Standard and Narrow. Um, but I still got the male one because I'm a big girl. So right now I'm in a, a shitload of pain. Thank God for Oxy. I take I only take a little with Tylenol. I also um, am really swollen and really uncomfortable, but I am up and doing my PT and my exercises and walking around and icing and complaining. And I hate being dependent on anyone. Elisa is the greatest. Okay, so Elisa, who is nursing me back to health, she kept saying, oh, I need to go back to my apartment. I need to go back to my apartment. And I was like, oh, God, all she wants to do is get away from me. That's all she wants to do. So finally, my neighbor came over for a couple hours and Elisa went back to her apartment and she comes back wearing a nurse's uniform, a green nurse's uniform, hokas, and speaking in a loud accent that didn't make any sense. And it was, and then she went out in the drawer and got my stethoscope and put it around her neck. And it was the fucking most hilarious. I mean, I gotta say, she's got an amazing sense of humor and it was fucking hilarious. But my concern was that she bought the outfit, the nurse's outfit, thinking it was like a nice regular outfit. That's yeah. But, um, she bought a fucking nurse's uniform. How funny is that? And she wanted it to be ready for when I got out of the hospital, but of course it wasn't. So but it was really funny and she wears it. She likes it. She looks cute. She's a hot nurse, baby. And she's an overnight nurse. That's right. So anyway, that was really funny. Uh, Henry's been, Thanksgiving was great. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I did fall asleep, but I did some cooking, but I did fall asleep on the couch in the middle of it. But you know what? Too fucking bad. Henry and Ben were there and it was great. And my sister and my niece and my brother-in-law and then my uh, sister and brother-in-law's um, niece uh, who lives in Tel Aviv and has a great restaurant there. Uh, she was visiting um, and it was just really nice. It was a really nice, delicious meal. And then I took drugs and passed out. So there, that was my Thanksgiving. I do want to say that I am extremely, extremely thankful for the hostages that have been released. I do worry about the hostages that are still there. I also want to make the point that for every one child or baby, or actually I haven't been any infants, um, but a woman, a grandmother who has been released, there have been three uh, Palestinian felons or, or, uh, they're, they're prisoners because they committed a crime or were caught committing crime. And, uh, so we are, you know, we're getting back our innocent people who were sleeping in bed by giving back three of the people who were violent, uh, uh towards Israelis. Um, so that's what we got to do to get these people back. Um, but it is a, again, Hamas is a terrorist organization and no one wants 
Palestinian children to suffer or any children anywhere to suffer. We don't want that. No one wants that. But this is what we have to do to get our innocent people who were sleeping back. We have to give away or trade three of their their felons, their their prisoners. And by the way, one of whom was in a trade years ago with uh, with Shalit, the the Israeli soldier who was released for 1,027 Palestinian prisoners. And one of those prisoners who, while he was in prison, got brain surgery at at an Israeli hospital and a Jewish doctor saved his life. He was the mastermind behind October 7th. So you know what? I got to say, we love our children and this whole situation sucks and the anti-Semitism sucks and the willful ignorance and the people showing up and protesting. Where were they during, you know, the Ukraine war? There's so many real genocides that happen and these people have never showed interest. So it's really, it's a really interesting uh, and awful and proud time to be a Jew right now. So there's a lot of mixed feelings there, but you know, we can never relax. You think you got a generation here, a generation there where it was like, oh, okay, they're over it. You know, we're, we're doing okay, but it never ends. It never goes away and it fucking sucks. So there you have it. I also want to say as a Jew, um, I love our guest this week, Zainab Johnson. Uh, she is a, a Muslim, grew up a devout Muslim in Harlem. She's so fucking talented. She's so fucking gorgeous and funny. And it's really annoying. Like I told her multiple times that, you know, it's not right. People should not get to be like really smart, really athletic, really talented and beautiful. Like you should have to be a little bit not attractive. You know, the fact that like there's all these like professional athletes who are also really hot and and, you know, talented actors or musicians or, um, you know, most comedians are not the hottest, but Zainab is, but whatever. But it's not fair. It is not fair that you get to be good looking, too. You know what I'm saying? So that was annoying. It's I, I really think that you shouldn't get everything. It's fucking, you know, whatever. But she's awesome. Her life story is 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 really interesting. And she has a new special out. And she's, uh, you know, it was just fun because I love her. And I love, you know, like yeah, I love bumping into the girls at the club. And Zainab is just, I don't, I don't really love bumping into her because I feel fat and ugly, but, um, her new special, he jabs off is great. And you know, she's, she's a sister, she's a sister in comedy and I love her. So, um, I hope I had enough energy for this intro because I am about to go put ice on my knee and lay on the couch, the usual and read. But you get to do whatever you're doing, drive, work out on the treadmill, whatever you're doing. I hope that you um, you also sit back and relax and enjoy part one of my interview with the one and only Zainab Johnson. I'm very excited for our guest today. First of all, not only is she hilarious, she's also 
incredibly beautiful. And it's really annoying because the problem is, you know, when you're funny and beautiful, it's like, this is what I equate it to, you know, like big star athlete quarterbacks who are also really good looking. Like you, you can't get everything. Here's the other thing. She's also really smart. So the whole package is really fucking annoying. And I'm going to have to figure out what I can say to her without feeling like shit about myself. Ladies and gentlemen, and they, them, Zainab Johnson is here. Zainab Johnson. Woo. Hey, Judy. Zainab. Hey, 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 hey. I haven't seen you in forever. And remember over the pandemic, we did the uh, Drew Barrymore show? Yes. That was like the first thing I did via, like, you know, big thing uh, via Zoom. Yeah. Right. I say via. I always say via Zoom, and then I and then I make fun of myself. I love that you say via. Yeah, why do, why do you make fun of yourself? Via is great. I know, I love via, and you know what I miss the via rideshare cars they used to have in New York. Remember via? No, sorry. You don't remember before the pandemic, you could get a via and it was like a cab, but they picked up other people along the way, and it was way cheaper. Okay, whatever, say now. No, but. You- <laughs> Judy, you know I live in LA. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know. I know you left New York. We're gonna get all into your life. Let me just I'm just only focusing on you right now, and I don't know how to hide myself, hide myself. And okay, it's it's really annoying having to look at you anyway. But uh Zainab, are you enjoying Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean I just got back. I was actually in New York this morning and I just got back here. So I'm happy to be home. I like Los Angeles. It's so sunny and warm. Did you take the red eye? No, I took an early flight this morning. I was on a, I left JFK at 7 a.m. Oh, nice. I can't do the red eye anymore. I'm too old. Like I can't, really? yeah, I can't recover from it. I used to like take the red eye, go home, like take a nap and then, you know, wake up at noon and I was fine. Not anymore. It's like, it takes me days and days to recover, but you'll, you'll experience that, um, soon enough. (laughs) Okay. I love the red eye. I love it. No babies. No, I love it. Everybody just wanting to go to sleep as soon as the wheels take off. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. I always have the babies on it no matter what, but, uh, okay. So let's start with your life because I find that you have a very interesting life that would not culminate in you being a stand-up comedian. So you were born in Brooklyn. Uh, you grew up in yeah. Harlem. Yeah. You're one of 13 children. 13. Yes. Okay. Yes. That is a lot of children. And let's also say from the same parents. Yep. They are devout Muslims or were devout Muslims. I know your father is no longer with us. Sorry about that. Um, so you, you know, what I find so interesting and I've, you know, read a lot about you and listened to interviews is the fact, and I, I say this because my kids grew up in, in New York city that even though you are in this bastion of culture and, you know, art and all of this life experience and all these different kinds of people, you can still be sheltered. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially as a kid. It's like, I was, here's the thing. 
I was sheltered and not sheltered all at the same time. Like in terms of having a social life, in terms of socializing outside of like my immediate family and maybe the masjid, you know, I, I didn't re- I didn't really experience much of New York like uh, without them, right? Right. But when I went to school, like from very early, probably like about second grade, I was getting on the bus, the city bus right, right. from Harlem traveling all the way downtown Manhattan to go to school. So, I mean, in a way there's like this, you know, sheltered lifestyle, but then in a way there's like this, this sort of scary amount of freedom. Yeah. It's like you, you develop these street smarts. And then when you walked into your home, it was a whole different vibe. That's what it sounds like. What, you know, when I hear you speak, um, First of all, which number are you of the 13? <laughs> I'm fifth. I'm fifth from the top. Oh, my God. You're right in the middle. You're right in the middle. How is yeah, that? So, I, I mean, I, I got to ask a million questions about. I mean, 13 kids. <laughs> how many peop- How many kids slept in your bedroom? Um, At one time, probably, I remember four. It was me. So I grew up in an when it was all of us, by the time it was all 13 of us, we lived in a five-bedroom apartment in Harlem. No way. And yeah, large apartment. But I mean, even still, it's not it's not big enough. Because, you know, once you get older, the older kids kind of need their privacy. Right. And so the younger kids kind of get like lumped together. I remember we had bunk beds in the hallway. Right. Um uh, my, um, so at, so maybe when I was about 16 is when I got my, my own room. Like that was the age that you become where you, it's like, now you need your own room. But before that I, I, uh, shared a room with my three younger sisters. So, and how many girls, how many boys? Six girls, seven boys. Oh my God. Yeah. One set of twins. Do you feel like you got enough attention from your parents? One-on-one attention? Um, you know what? I can't really remember, I, but I, but I don't feel deprived. Right. Either. Right. You know, like, I feel like my mom, I have very clear memories of my mom doing everything that she could do to get me into like gifted and talented programs to get me into summer programs to, you know, I don't know, g- give me opportunity. Like, like she worked really hard to find free opportunities that were impactful because we couldn't afford the paid opportunity. Right. You know, but I don't ever remember. I remember it being too much. Right. I remember getting too much attention. Like right. there's no quiet. I mean, I, I think as a kid, I felt like, you know, like an old father, like if I could just go sit in the bathroom right, for right, right. and have my alone time, you know? So can you name every, every one of them? Of course I can. Okay. Go. You want me to do it? Yes, I'm Walida. fascinated by this. <laughs> Walida, Nubia, Walid, Abdul Halim, Zainab, Abdul Warid, Muammar, Abdul Wahid, Muhammad, Mr. Sultana, Muslima, Jibril. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, I could have I could have gave you their first names, last names, uh, middle names, birth dates. Like I know everybody. Oh my god. So you're all really close. Yeah, I think that there's clusters, right? Yeah. Like, I think that, you know, the older brothers are close. The the, the younger brothers are close. Um, the, the younger sisters are their own little unit. 
Um, I would say that I am one of the siblings that has a really good relationship with everybody. I bet. But it's not like the comedian. Yeah. And I think I'm also like the diplomat. Right. But that's what we do. Yeah. Well, that's what we do. We disarm people. We are the disarmers. Hey, everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay. Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50 to get 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So can you tell me what dinner time was like? Like, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm harping on this, but I, this is so fascinating to me. What was dinner like? Like, And did your, I mean, I can't imagine being the mother of 13, her poor vagina too. (laughs) I always say that on stage. I'm like, whenever the crowd is like, oh, I'm like, I know her vagina, right? Like, that's the first thing we all think of. (laughs) That poor vagina. And and you know, my mom had all natural births. Oh God. All? She, there's, I can't. She better be doing her Kegels. So, um. (laughs) What was dinner time? Like, all right, so you got up. Did you, at what age did you have, was she like, all right, I can't get you ready for school. It's like up to you. I got the little ones here. Oh, oh, that was very early. Probably like, 
I don't know, thir- third or third or fourth grade, like like elementary school, definitely. But I mean, I didn't have that much to choose from. My mom used to get our clothes sewn and I really actually hated it because she would go to the fabric district and buy the sale fabric. So she would have 40 yards of the same fabric. And then so you're all wearing the same pattern? We're not all wearing the same pattern. She would buy a different pattern for like me. Like I'd have a different pattern than my sister. Right. But I would go to school and everybody would think it was the same outfit because everything is the same pattern. Right. And I I hated it. Right. My mother made my own clothes. because yeah, I couldn't, I, they I didn't have, I didn't have clothes in my size and she would make all our clothes and the kids would make fun of me. So, um, okay. So you, you'd get up, would, was there breakfast? Like I can't, uh, did, <laughs> I'm just, it was so chaotic, Judy. It was right. so chaotic. I can't like, no, I, I will tell you this. I never, I don't ever remember having a dining room table. Wow. Growing up as a kid, wow, sitting at a dining room table was something that I did when I went to my grandmother's house okay. or like a, a rich friend's house or, or right. a friend that was the only kid, you know, but I never had that growing up. I don't remember. I mean, we ate breakfast. My mom was like, uh, it was the type of house where my mom would make a big pot of oatmeal and then, and then it's on the stove and it's up to you to serve yourself. Right. You know, once you became big enough to serve yourself, you serve yourself. And she made what she made. And if you didn't eat it, my father would say, well, I guess you're not that hungry. You right. know? Yeah. Um, but Such but I don't, school. It, it was so old like, school. Yeah. And it's like, I don't ever remember having enough plates. I don't ever remember having enough silverware. You know, it was kind of like, oh, you know, dinner's, d- dinner's ready. Then you better hurry up and get, you know, get what you can get. And we would all like, just sit up, sit down, like, Maybe in the what was considered the dining room mm-hmm. or like the kitchen or even a living room, we'd all just sit on the floor, like in our backs against the wall. You know what I'm saying? And like still very communal style, right. but not definitely not around a table. Like that's just not uh, something that we had. And then you'd have you'd be waiting. Like I might be sitting there eating and then I'd have like one of my brothers waiting, like hurry up with the fork, you know, like. Right. We never, we never had enough. Wow. So you really had to, everyone had to fend for themselves. Yes. If you were not like a baby or a toddler, yes, you had to fend for yourself. What did your father do for a living? He worked for the MTA for, for most, for a very large part of my childhood, the majority of it. He worked for the MTA. He was a um, token booth clerk. Wow. Wow. We don't have those anymore. Um, we don't, right? Yeah. I mean, there's maybe sometimes a person there to, you know, help, but that's it. And, and your mother didn't, did she work outside of the house? I mean, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. (laughs) Now, did they want all of these children? I mean, was this like, my mom wanted, my mom wanted 20. Oh my God. Oh my God. She wanted, she wanted 20. She made it to, she made it to 13. Right. But then I think my youngest brother, I think my mom had my youngest brother when she was either 44 or 46. Right. And I remember after that, like my, I think, I think as as much as she was ambitious to go after 20, I think she felt like my youngest brother, like, okay, that's enough for her. Right. But then at some point after him, maybe when he was about six or seven years old. So now at that point, she's like in her very early 50s. Right. Right. 
or at least like fit or at least like fifty years old. Right. My father is on her trying, trying again. No way. Know? Like trying. Yes, and my mom was like, "No, I can't." Like, I mean, yeah, I can't. This is I cannot. Get, I can't. I'm peeing right now while we are talking to me. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um. So what a what an interesting way to grow up. So I I, I feel like I mean I I'm thinking home for you is it, it it's such a different thing than it would be for anyone else who didn't you know. What is home? Like, I feel like you would be so um, flexible and able to be around a lot of people and negotiate and navigate because of this existence that you grew up in. With And yet, do you value your alone time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I can. I definitely can be around a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I most times like to be alone. And I am most times after I'm around a lot of people, I'm exhausted. Oh, right. It is. It's yeah. Yeah. I'm super exhausted, but I do find like whenever there's like, you know, whenever there's an opportunity to like socialize or fellowship or whatever, I'm always like, I'll come to you. I'll come to you. I'll come to you because I just want to be able to leave when I want to be able to leave. Right. I don't ever, I, I try my best to not make it so that I have to ask people to leave my space. Right. But you, you know, do. I'm like, you're, not, you're okay with it. Are you okay with asking people to leave your space? I mean, I'll I'll have people over, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. It's, I'm like so blunt. I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm tired. Bye now. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I think I feel like I am blunt. I mean, I'm getting soft as I get older. I'm, I'm getting really soft. I'm realizing it, but I um I am blunt. But I had these two people come to my house. Like they were like close acquaintances. And it didn't matter what I said, Judy, they would not leave. I was like, okay, guys, well, this was fun. Oh my God, that's so fucking no, annoying. Me- that is so fucking annoying. Judy, I, this is when I was in an apartment. I was in a one bedroom apartment. Oh. I got, I got my, I got a water out the kitchen, a snack. I grabbed my laptop and went in my bedroom. And I was like, okay, you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to take a nap. So just make sure you lock up. Oh my you, God. You know. Are you kidding? Are you fucking, and I they stayed? Back- I came back out. They were on the yeah. couch under yeah. the blanket, just like, how was your nap? Oh, my God. Get the fuck out of my house, you fucking assholes. Okay. So you grew up very, very religious, very observant Muslims. And you're a, lot, a lot of your community outside the house was based on, on that. You know, and I, I, I mean... I mean, you went to school, you went to public school and you got, you saw, I mean, it's just interesting that you saw the way other people who had a brother or a sister and, you know, these small families and who were very assimilated went about their lives. And yet you're, you are in a public school taking public transportation, fending for yourself and then part of this whole other community, um, which I think is so probably makes you, you know, so it gives you so many dimensions. I mean, I know that as a Jew that I and I went to public school and then my parents were very observant. And, you know, I had this whole other side of my life that I didn't share with my non-Jewish friends, you know. So do, was 
I know that when I when I I heard you speak that you always observe Ramadan, and then in high mm-hmm. school when you were sixteen or something, uh, uh, or, or no, you wait, hold on, you I don't know. You, I, I I heard you say something about when you got into high school, you were like, you know what, I don't know how much of this I want to do, but then you went back, which I think yeah, is common. So like when I was in elementary school. Um, it was, it, there was no, I mean, I, I didn't want to talk about it. Like, I don't think that's something that I shared with any of my classmates because I had like two, it's like, there weren't a lot of black kids in the school with me. And so, and I was also black and like a Muslim girl who wore hijab, you know? And so I was easily identifiable. Um, and so I didn't share it, but it was obvious. It's like every, you know, a couple of times a week, someone would pull my Kimar off my head, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was my existence in elementary school. As much as I was still a cool kid, like I was really a cool kid. But, you know, there was always that one kid that was curious and mean. And Mm -hmm. like, I got to see, I don't know if she has hair or not. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do this every week to you. But every Friday, my mom would come and take us out of school to take us to Juma service. That happened all throughout my elementary uh, education. But then when I got to middle school, which for me was fifth through eighth grade, she stopped doing that. Like I was still covering up, but she stopped, uh, you know, she stopped coming to pick me up. You know, at that point, I'm like, right. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, early adolescent and she's like letting me find my way, but still very, still my father's very adamant about how I'm leaving the house, what I look like, what right. my extracurriculars are. I have finally got friends and had a little bit of independence, you know, um, at that point I was probably like, leaving the house one way and then borrowing some of my friends clothes and changing in the elevator and like looking completely different, you know, in school and then changing when I got back home. But then in high school, I started playing basketball. Right. I started playing basketball the summer. I started playing basketball in middle school, but I mean, it really got serious the summer before I went to high school. I I joined the AAU team. This was like my everyday out. Yeah, I woke up. Yeah, I woke up and like from eight a.m. to eight p.m. I was playing basketball. Oh my! You know my son. Um, do you know my son is captain of his college team? Um, really? Yeah, and he's getting recruited to play professionally in Israel. Sadly. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. So, uh, not sadly. I'm f- so proud of him. I'm just sad about yeah, what's going yeah. on in Israel. But um, yeah. So I'm a I'm an AAU basketball mom. So I totally get yeah. it. But how did you get to the games? You, I mean, I'm sure your parents couldn't drive you to all these uh, tournaments oh, and the stuff. Tra- the train. Oh the my train, God. Judy. Wow. I would be going to. I would be going all the way up. I would be going to the Polo Browns. I would be going to Dykeman. I would be going right. to the Bronx. I play. I play for Riverside. Oh, Riverside! Um, yes, yeah, a great team. Yeah. yeah, yes. I would. I would be walking places. You know, there's like other girls on the team. It's like we may have lived in like neighborhoods that were not too far away. So it's right. like, okay, we're gonna meet up again, and then we're gonna continue going. I played in Brooklyn. I played, but it's like. Yeah, you know, you 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 even see the kids on the trains and buses now today, especially in the summertime with their with their sports gear on, their yeah. basketball gear on, and their AAU backpack. Right. It's like that's their lot, you know. That's their, that was like my life. But I remember when I got to high school, I I really became like a cool kid, like right. a TV show cool kid. Right. You know what I'm saying? 
and I needed to look the part. I needed to act the part. I'm now very much interested in boys. Right. Like, I, you know, I can't be all of this, all of this cover up, all of this, you know what I'm saying? Covering my hair and covering my arms and right. my legs. Like I, I don't know that. I don't know who that's for. It's not, it does, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not, not for me. me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for me. You know, at 14, 15, 16 years, oh, it's please. like, no, 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 this yeah. is not for me. Right. And so I remember my father, he wasn't too, I didn't have to really convince him to stop showing my hair. Cause it's like, I mean, that makes sense to me, you know, like hair is not that big of a deal in my opinion. Like, you know, you sh- you shouldn't really be turned on by uh, seeing somebody's hair. I don't right. I don't know. That's what I, that's how I feel. <laughs> but he was still <laughs> he was still very strict when it came to how I was covering up. And I remember the for me I remember saying you know like I'm playing basketball now. You know this is a big part of my life. And really like selling it to him like you know I'm going to try and get a scholarship. But right. in order you know I'm, this is what I'm this is the trajectory. But I can't get there with these restrictions. Right. You know? So I need you to like let up. It's so funny, Judy. I remember we played my high school team. We played against this other team. I can't remember. Maybe it was like Randolph High School or something like that. And there was a hijabi girl playing basketball. <laughs> she was fully covered up. She had on leggings. She oh, was fully God. Covered. Yeah. And my father was like, well, I see there's a way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's hilarious. And- and I was like, but look, she's not very good. She's right. not very good. And she's sweating. But I don't I'm- know if you could tell she's spitzing <laughs> like, uh, yeah. You know, you had a double whammy there. You're, you're black and you're Muslim. Which one? I mean, I, it's it's hard enough being black, you know? And yeah, then you add yeah. this this religion that people really don't understand, um, yeah. and uh, have all these preconceived notions about. Um, which was, which was the one you felt? Uh, I don't know I, if there was one that you you felt you had to navigate more, or more defend more, or you know teach people about more. Wh- which which was the one that you felt more separated from these fucking idiots? I de- definitely being black because I yeah. think that that's like something you know I mean I've been black like all my, all my life and like when I was fully like when I was a very easily identifiable Muslim mm-hmm. like meaning I was fully covered yeah. right um, it's like I'm a kid so I don't even really understand it enough right. to explain it or defend it either I'm really just at this point following instructions i'm obeying my parents like this is what we do this is what they said we do and this is what i'm doing right Right. and like i can't really tell you anything i I, except for that i could tell you like the things that i know i could tell you i don't eat pork i could tell you that i pray five times a day i could tell you why i'm leaving school on friday and a half day but other than that i can't really defend anything for and you know and kids they're not they're not really asking you to do that they're just you know you know i'm a kid like in the 90s right and so they're they're like asking you. They're, they're just like, do you have hair? That's the biggest right, thing. Right, right. Do you have they're hair? They're just curious. You know, yeah. like yeah, do, like you know. But but beyond that, like like I said, you know, once I was like fourteen, fifteen, I'm no longer covering up. Right. But it's like I'm still a black girl. Yeah. You know, and I don't <clears throat> I don't remember feeling heavily 
discriminated against. I have to be honest. Like I grew up in, I, grew, I was born in Brooklyn. I spent the first five years of my life there. And then I came to Harlem, which is very, you know, black fam- familial community. Yeah. So it's like, I, yeah, I'm only around, you know, I'm only around a bunch of non-black kids when I'm at school right. during the day. But then it's like, we all, I, I think I'm, I, I realized this in retrospect, like, First of all, I went to school with a bunch of Jewish kids, which right. makes sense if I'm in school down, downtown Manhattan, right? Right. That's the Jew bar, um, by the way. And yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I realized it a couple oh, of days okay. ago. I realized it. <laughs> um, and I, it, it's so funny because it's like we're we're all just kids really trying to, like, uh, you know, Evan is getting teased for his yarmulke too. You right. get what I'm saying? Like, right. you know? And and then and then and then the new thing is like oh we thought this was just like a regular smart black kid but he can't come to none of the none of the birthday parties at school why is that oh he's Jehovah's Witness he's Witness like, yeah I yeah like we, I I felt like we were all just like here you know just young kids trying to figure out what our parents had gotten us into right you know yeah and you know <laughs> the similarities between Judaism and the Muslim religion is so Mm -hmm. it's so similar. It's the same. It's really very, very parallel. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I I mean, I hope that wasn't a really ridiculous question, but I always, you know, that, 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 that showing your religion so outwardly like that and being black, like, I just can't, I can't imagine you know, I think I think I defend. I think I defend. Interestingly enough, Judy, I think I defend myself more being a, a Muslim woman that does not cover up, and I am constantly expressing how proud I am to be Muslim. Right. I think that I have to defend that more. You know, right. and there's a lot of. I, I didn't experience this when I was a kid, but now being out in the in the world, I do. I do know that there's a lot of like racism within Islam. You know, right. sometimes sometimes I get. I mean, not ever in person, but definitely on it via the internet. You know, right. there goes via. Oh, please, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely by way of the internet, I um, get a lot of like, you don't have any right to our faith. You know, Shut which the I fuck think up. is the that, most well, that's how, thing. Right. It's like being being gay and being an observant Jew. It's like no, yeah, no, yeah. I can, I can be both. I can do both. Yeah. And I'm doing both. Yeah. And you're not the fucking boss of the religion. Yeah. You know, I have a joke about like 13 of us and I'm trying to figure out like we got all we got there's such a variety, but we trying to figure out who the gay kid is. Right. Because it's just statistically. <laughs> Are there any? Got, I know there's no gays. Not, not that we know of. What you know? the fuck? But, That's not right. They're, like you should have 1.3 that are gay. We should, we should listen that we got the numbers. We definitely got the numbers. And so I, I remember saying it on stage, um, in like Minnesota somewhere, which has a such very a good, large good premise. Uh, yeah. There's such a large, uh, Muslim Somali community. Right. And this, this guy, this guy came up to me, this Somali man came up to me after the show. He said, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure, sure. Thank you for coming to the show. He's like, you were so great. He was like, but you said that you, you think your brother might be the gay one. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't know. But I'm just, you know, I'm just being funny. Yeah. Like, you know, he was like, but you're Muslim. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's up? Oh, and he my said, God. well, you, you think your brother's the gay one? I said, 
oh yeah, I, like I'm slowly getting where this is going. Right. You know? I was like, yeah. And he was like, that's not possible. Oh it's my God. Possible. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut up, you fucking <laughs> idiot. Oh God. And you know what? He was gay. Guaranteed. <laughs> um, okay. So you, which this is another, like, all right, you got it. You got into sports. You were a cheerleader. You wait, where'd you get that from? You said it. You said you were a cheerleader on a podcast. You go, no, I was a cheerleader. I was into sports. Okay. I wrote it down. I swear to God, you said it. Um, and I don't then, remember that. All right. I'm going to send it to you. Um, you then go to CCNY, the city college of New York. Okay. Everyone listen to this now. She gets a bachelor's degree in math. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Like, what has math that? and education. I know, I know. Math but... and education, because because I wanted to well, teach to be high a... school. In right. order to teach high school, you have to you have to you have to get an education. You have to make you got to get a double. You got to do right. a double math to yeah. be a ma- a high school math teacher. Would you? What would you have taught? Because you did teach for a while, right? Or yeah, a I did. Bit? I did teach for a little while. What did you teach? I taught math, but I didn't teach in a high school. But um, if I was teaching in a high school, what would I? What grade would I want to teach? Hmm. Like, do you know calculus? I mean, I know would... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah, a. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, calculus. <laughs> <laughs> of course, sure. <laughs> but but I but I realized I realized I was out of practice because my nephew was asking me for help with his uh, trig homework. He's oh, in trigonometry. Grade, yeah, and... I really did well. On yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, and I had to really like brush up on like sine, cosine. Yeah, like I really had to okay. brush up on. It, I fucking know? hated it. So, I mean, I come from a math family, and I hated, I hated it. Um, I can't believe you were a STEM girl. Yeah, but you know, you know, that's how I got. When I was younger, that's how I got into every gifted and talented program. That's how my mom got me into these better educational situations. She would always, she would take me down to the district. Uh, I think I was like in district three schools. She would take me down to the district. Yeah, yeah, my kids, same. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the test test kept coming back. She's in 98, 99 percentile for math. She's in 97 percentile for reading. And my mom, like, you know, once I got in, she was like, "Okay, I got another kid. Let's test him. You know, because it's almost you do. I don't it's it's not legacy, but they're almost like once they're working with the parents. And they see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it really did like it really did help some of my siblings that came after me. I have another brother right now who is in Philly and he's an engineer and he, he was the same, you know, he was the same way. He went through the exact same test, exact same programs, exact yeah. same elementary system. Like everything yeah, my that kids I did. did the same and thing. Yeah. Funny um, enough, him and I are a lot alike. Wow. Oh my God. So, all right. So you taught math and your father dies suddenly. Yeah. And you find out, well, I, so your father dies suddenly and you have this epiphany of what am I doing? You know, my friend's moving to LA. She's going to be a star. I, I want to be a star. 
Is is this kind no, of? Yes. So it it didn't happen quite like that. So the the epiphany came when I was actually in a classroom. I was in a classroom, like I said, I was in a fifth grade classroom, and these kids were these kids were uh, smart. They were it was like a, a um, magnet, but also char- like I want to say charter school. Their parents were very involved. Like you right. could tell, these parents were like, "I can't afford private school, but I'm going to do the best but to get my you, kids." Don't you think that? Parents in public and charter schools are way more involved than parents in in private schools. I don't know because I don't know parents in private schools, but yeah. I I did. I I I, I will I, you know as a teacher, I I think I saw both. Like I've sat, I've been through uh, parent teacher conferences and stuff, and you do want the parent, or at least I did. I wanted the parent even if I had a complaint to always advocate for their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Of you, course. You yeah. Wanna, you want to know that's there, even if it's a thorn in your ass. You and know that's what, what your mother did. Oh yeah. My mother definitely, my, my mother, I mean, she was, she couldn't have a job. How could she, she had yeah. kids and a place that is a job. That is a full time. That's yeah. a beyond full time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but wait, you asked. So you, I said you, you you had this epiphany. You said you were teaching fifth graders. Oh, I was teaching. I was teaching, and they were great. You know, normally like the epiphany comes when sh- shit hits the fan. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, they were they were great. I remember that day so specifically. Like, wow, they're I could probably leave the classroom and they wouldn't even know it. Like they're so invested in like their work. They're so like you know well behaved and you know whatever. And I was just standing there with like this complete silence, and I was like. Oh, but I don't think I'm supposed to be a teacher. So I had that epiphany in that moment, right? Wow. Now my father had already, you know, that that was unfortunate. My father had had passed away at, at by that, you know, the summer before I right. had this, you know, whatever. And my friend had grad my friend had finished uh she had graduated and she had graduated from an engineering school, but she was um she was into like spoken word and music and all of that. And she was like, you know, Zainab, I think she had been auditioning in New York for stuff, you know? And she was like, I think I'm going to move to LA. We used to go to LA in college, like during spring breaks, we would go and have fun. And, you know, and so she was like, I think I'm going to move to LA. And I was like, Oh man, like for what she said, cause I want to, I want to be famous. I got to go to LA. Right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And this is going to parlay into this. And I was like, damn, I can't let her be famous without me. Like that was a legitimate thought, you know? Right. Like, I don't really know the, 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 the all the famous people I know. I don't really know their best friend, you know? Right. But also I think that, I think the thing that allowed me to do it, you know, like you're talking and you're like, oh girl, okay, I'll join you. Let me finish out this year and then I'll come join you. Right. The thing that put the fire under my butt was that my father had died. Right. Of course. And so I felt, yeah, I felt like time was of the essence. I felt like, Dang, I really, I don't know what, you know, Allah has planned for me. I don't know how long my life will be. Right. Uh, it really does change you. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to have any regrets. You know, I do not want to, I do not want to live my life with regrets. And that right. was the, they gave me the, um, the courage to, right. you know, pick up everything in my little Harlem apartment and, pack up my little BMW and drive to Los Angeles, California. And another prophetic moment um, was your mother told you that your father wanted to be a comedian, that you had no idea. Yeah. And she just said it so casually. I think that's, 
that's the area which are and I are a lot alike. Like my friends tell me that all the time. Like Zainab, you're like a time release capsule. Like <laughs> I don't know where you just release this heavy information right. about your life casually with no explanation. And my mom does the same thing. Like out of nowhere, she, we were just sitting in her house in the living room one day. The the rare moments where I get to have one hundred on one with your mom, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very rare, right? Uh, now that we're getting older and older, it's a little bit more common, you know. But at that time, it wasn't it wasn't common. And when I first started seeing it, and she was like, you know, your father would be really proud of you, and I was like. Would he? And she was like, yeah, you know, he wanted to be, a, he always wanted to be a comedian. I was floored when right. she said it. I was floored. Judy, was he, was he funny? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's funny to me, like as right. a character, because I'm taking this serious, this guy who's so yeah. serious and so sort of like unreasonable at Right, time, right. You know? With his with his strictness, I, I I can take that and make it a funny character. But when I was a kid, I don't ever remember thinking like, "God, he's so much fun." Right. But but I do I do remember like laughing with him. But I don't remember feeling like my father is so funny. But I also don't remember feeling like I was a very funny individual right. either. But people. People from my past tell me all the time, I'm not surprised. Like, this is what you was always supposed to do. You was always so funny in school. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the best. Not knowing, because then you don't, you have an ego. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my interview with Zainab Johnson. How fucking great is she? And she's really good looking. Okay. I mean, I don't want to say that, but it's like fucking annoying. Like, most funny people are not the most attractive I mean well Lucy was there are really fun or they hide their attractiveness you know it's just it's secondary but no not this one gorgeous tall fucking smart yeah Mm. anyway uh, part two is awesome too and her special uh, He Jabs Off is available now on Prime Video get it listen to it we need we need comedy Uh, Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel edited by Colin Schmeling marketed edited well well she is it's not edited by Brittany, but she does do all the clips and everything which means she has to listen to the whole fucking episode i'm sure she wants to kill herself but whatever so that's Brittany jose howard's rich man and um i do have gigs coming up we do have a live podcast we did not get to talk to modi long enough and so we decided let's let's finish it with a live podcast which will be at the midnight theater on December 12th uh, in New York City. Tickets are going really, really fast. But it's uh, at 7 p.m. and it's going to be... It's going to be sold out. And it's going to be a great conversation. And um, someone's going to help me up on the stage. So that's that. I... uh, Listen to me. I'll be on Sandyland this week with Sandy Bernhardt. Yep. On her uh, radio show, which is my favorite, Sandyland. Uh, that's on Thursday. I'm doing a benefit on December 6th, if I can walk, the Lori Beachman Theater. Hanukkah's coming up. A lot of stuff going on. But I want to tell you that on December 16th at the South Orange Performing Arts Center in New Jersey, I will be with Liz Glazer and John Fish, both favorite guests on the podcast. We are doing a Jewy Jew show at South Orange uh, 
but South Orange Performing Arts Center, it is going to be the, it, I swear to God, it's going to be such a fucking great show. So do not miss that. That's on December 16th at 8 p.m. in South Orange, New Jersey, which is my home state. Yeah, the Garden State is my home state. On Christmas Day, December 25th, I will be at Stand Up New York for a very Judy Christmas, J-E-W-D-Y, and that will be with a lot of other Jews, and that will be a great fucking show. So I'm going to get back into it, getting on that stage. I don't like being off the stage for a very long time, but, you know, those are my dates coming up. I'm praying for more hostages, hopefully, by the next time part two of Zainab it, uh, lands or posts or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, we'll have even more, hopefully all of them out. So bring them home. And I, I pray for peace, 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 peace. That's what we need. And stop the fucking anti-Semitism and read a goddamn book and do your due diligence. And, um, I'm going to go take some oxy. What do you think of that? Huh? I'm going to fall asleep to my Barbara Streisand book that Elisa got me for my birthday. That's right. I can't believe anyone's still listening, but the book is really good. Really good. And I'm kind of enjoying having time to read and not have to, you know, run around. It's kind of nice, but the pain sucks. Um, Anyway, that's all I got to say. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. As we always, always say. First of all, I love you. Thank you for being, you know, thank you for just, you know, listening. I mean, really, thank you for being fans of the podcast. It really, it really, it, I appreciate it so much because as you know, I lose money on it, but um, I love talking as you can see, but thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week. Peace, 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 baby. And as we always say, so long. Gah, 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 gah.